Young and Dumb, a podcast for the young, dedicated, up-and-coming, motivated, and bold. Hear the journey of incredible individuals like you or I, who accomplish many things in their short lifetimes. Allow them to tell their story and share with you how they got to where they are today. And the best part yet is they're only just getting started. Welcome to the Young and Dumb Podcast. It's the Young and Dumb Podcast, and you already know how we do it. This week, we've got Elijah Barber back on for a part two episode. Last time we spoke to him, we learned all about his journey in real estate, how he got started in wholesaling, but now we talk about how he's built out his team, why he's built out his team, and how people can get started in real estate when they have little to no money. And when they should start looking at really investing into real estate. This episode's filled with gems, especially if you're trying to get into the real estate game. I know I'm saying real estate way too many times, but that's what the bulk of this episode was all about. So you already know, Eli had an amazing first episode. If you want to, check that out. But if this episode provides you any value, please take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, tag us at get cho grind up that's g-e-t-c-h-o-g-r-i-n-d-u-p and as always if you could leave us a review on itunes it makes the absolute world difference for us it helps our voice grow which means your voice grows too so with that let's just jump into it Welcome back, everyone, to the Young and Dumb podcast with your co-hosts from the East Coast, Justin and Gary, checking in with you guys again. I hope it's been a great week for you guys so far. I hope you've all been getting your grind up, but we're going to take it back to another one of our part two episodes brought on a good friend of ours, not too far away. Eli, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, my people? Guys, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so glad to reconnect and sort of just share our stories, share my experience. And let's dive in and get your grind up, baby. Let's get it. It's been almost a year since we've had you on the podcast. A lot has happened with us since then, and a lot has happened with you as well. And we want to touch upon that. But before we do, last time we checked in with your journey, we always ask you our famous loading bar question. So we're going to bring that back up again. Where do you feel like you are right now on your loading bar? Loading bar. Oh, yeah, because this was like out of like zero to 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I'm at a, um, so I'm going to answer this and don't think of this as like a boastful way, but I feel that, uh, like I'm at a hundred percent. And what I mean by that is that, um, I believe that we get to choose how we want to live our life. And when I say a hundred percent, I don't mean that I'm going a hundred percent all the time. When I say a hundred percent, I mean that I, I'm in so much like control of myself and aware of myself that I get to choose when I want to go a hundred and I get to choose when I want to go 1% speed. And so just the fact that I'm aware of that I can choose like when to go all out and when to like not go out at all and still get what I want, uh, that's why I feel like I'm at 100%. So to me, it sounds like you're just basically describing freedom. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, so it's a little bit more um, 
tactical than freedom because to me it's like it's just being aware of your your decisions your choices and your emotional triggers because at any like at any point of the day like we can choose to go faster we can choose to go slower it doesn't mean one way is better or worse but it just it really means that like the fact that you can choose is the most powerful thing and when you're aware that you can choose like the world is yours because now you get to choose everything that happens within your life and i'm someone who's aware that i get to, it's my choice on how i want to live and sometimes i want to live in one person uh one percent and then other times i want to live at a hundred percent and so because of that i'm always at a hundred percent no dude i get that that makes sense man so let's dive into that um before when we first the last time you were on i think you had 11 properties in new york um and you were new york. in or new newark yeah so it's pretty no no you gotta say it look bro i remember the first time i went to, <laughs> <laughs> the first time i went to one of our three unit buildings yo the tenants were like they were like you're not from here are you and i was like what do you mean like yeah i live like right around the block and they're like no because you're saying our city wrong <laughs> and i was like how do you say it they say just just pretend it's spelled n-o-r-k nork but it's really spelled n-e-w-a-r-k nork new jersey okay so <laughs> you had 11 properties in nork uh -huh. <laughs> now we were just speaking a little bit before and now you've moved more into kind of like a management role you've built out your wholesaling side mm -hmm. talk us through what's kind of gone on briefly over the past like eight to 12 months or so Yep. So one of the most important things that I've learned in regards to um, any business, and I'm sure you guys can relate, is that like one of the most valuable things in, in business is really just new acquisition. It's, it's that kind of next customer. It's, it's where's that next opportunity coming. Um, and so because of that, like I really kind of had to double down on where's my time going to be most valuable. And my time is not most valuable focused on new acquisition. My time is most valuable on sort of managing guys who are really good at new acquisition right and so i've kind of played i've kind of switched on my whole roles now to where i'm really just kind of hiring experts guys who are better at me than sales guys who um may not understand real estate as well as i do but they understand people better than i do and because of that they're able to connect a lot more and so since then i've we have two acquisition guys now who strictly focus for us on, on just getting new properties putting them under contract and then i already have a whole list of buyers um, that are well qualified and then all my guys who are on acquisition, they would just send the email over to my buyers and like, you know, we would just close deals left and right doing it that way. And so um, I guess kind of the most important thing for me is like, I've really been looking into like the lazy way to make more money. Because like my whole life, like I've already, I've worked hard. We talked about this in the last episode, how I worked four jobs in high school, but like Bill Gates said it best. I don't remember the exact quote, but he's like, I'd always rather hire a lazy man over someone who works hard because they're gonna figure out the easiest way to get it done. And so that that's just kind of been my whole focus is like, yo, how can I come into something being extremely lazy, doing the least amount of work and still getting a good result? I don't need the greatest result. Not yet. I just need a good result to get it stabilized and to keep business ro rolling. And so that's kind of what we do today. I've closed over 30, uh, 40 units now in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, my whole acquisitions team in Philadelphia is built out. We're doing like three to four deals there a month now. And so that's just kind of what we're working on today. And I feel it uh, encompasses the, the long age term um, of work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially, you're not busting your balls like you said earlier, um, going, meeting up with all of these people, hugging your phone, waiting for that next call, um, maintaining those relationships on the day to day where you have people who are 
just as good as you, if not better, at that job while yep. you can essentially stay in the background, manage those relationships um, and essentially as- expand your bu- your business in a way that it hasn't seen before, um, which is incredible. But tell me how that transit transitions into your next uh, stage in your life. We spoke a little bit about Chicago. How does this work into other cities and your overall scheme of uh, your your goal or your, your journey there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before we dive into that, there's one point that I want to hit on with what you just shared. And it's, it's this, it's like, um, so we also do real estate events every month in New York city, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. We own the three largest meetups, like in the entire United States within the real estate industry. And so it's super dope to walk into one of our events and like, no one knows me because like, even at our events, like I have our whole front desk set up. Cause like, Last time we talked, like I was running all the front desk, you know, I was speaking and stuff. And today I still speak, but it's like, I'm really figuring out ways just to kind of um, outsource things like to write people. And so it's like, uh, I wanted to share that because it's super cool to be able to come into one of your own events and no one knows like who you are. And so I've kind of given up like the face, like I don't need to be the guy. I don't need to be the guy that everyone knows about. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be any of that. I just need to be someone who knows how to get what you want within that moment however it needs to get done. And so it's like, uh, that's kind of one of the big thoughts that I've been playing around with and sort of um, having fun with. Now in regards to like entering a new real estate market. So I know a lot of your um, listeners are particularly new. Some of them, you know, are call- in college and they may have not heard about real estate at all or none of that. And because of that, like if you're just starting off, absolutely do the work, you know, <laughs> absolutely get in there, um, figure out how you're going to be doing your marketing, figuring out, you know, what kind of properties you're going to be getting, how to get them, what kind of marketing you're going to do to get them and who you're going to sell them to. Um, and so in terms of someone who's starting off, like I highly encourage you to, to do the work. But for me, like I've been doing this now for two years, every single day. Like that's all I've done is real estate. I haven't gotten to the tech business. I've never invested in stocks. I've never invested in bonds. I've never invested into a business. You know, I haven't done anything other than real estate. And so I've just been crafting my skill sets. I've just been crafting a way within my industry just so I can understand and sort of create something that I want. Now, in terms of what I'm doing today is I'm in the process of expanding the whole company into a new real estate market. And so it's like one of the biggest things that I kind of look for is like um, there's a saying, you know, and I'll ask both of you guys. If you guys were to flip a house, right, let's let's say you had the money, you had the contractors, right? You, You knew it was a good market. Would you guys rather flip one house or would you guys rather flip a hundred houses in a year if you had the right crews in place? I mean, if I had the right crews in place and everything else aligned, like you said, probably obviously the hundred. Yeah. Right? Same for you, Gary? Yes. I'd go to the hundred. Yeah. Right. And, and it's crazy because remember at the beginning of this, I told you guys, like there's times that you're going to go one miles per hour and there's times that you can go a hundred. And so I had to kind of ask myself that, like, what's a way that I can always operate at 100 miles per hour, 100% within the business world. And I've come to realize within real estate, it really has to do with what town you're investing in. And so there's these gurus out there, these guys who are selling courses, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, every single one of those courses, they work and they're real. But there's one piece of information that none of them will ever share with you. And it's this. The real magic to real estate is the town that you're investing in because the town tells you exactly how to easily take advantage of it. So let's think about it for a second. Let's say there was a town that had uh, 500 people in it. OK, 
Okay. How many houses do you think you're going to be flipping in a whole town that has 500 people in it? Like one. No, not even one. You ain't even getting that one. Yo. You ain't even getting Maybe. that one. They're going to give that to their cousin or something, yo. Like you ain't even getting that one. All right. But now let's think about this way. What happens when you enter a town that has, you know, 500,000 people in it or even 5 million, right? How much more opportunity is available there? Okay. And so here's my point. My point is, is that I've invested in small cities and I've invested in big cities. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it's one of the biggest cities that we invest in. Um, we have flipped a few houses in Brooklyn, New York, but Brooklyn is its own neighborhood outside of New York City, the five boroughs. But the small cities that I've invested in are Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey has been the absolute bloodline to everything that I've learned within real estate. But what I've come to learn is that if you want to flip 100 houses in a year, if you want to flip 1,000 houses in a year, you have to be in the right town to do that. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. If you're not in the right town, you'll never be able to, to, to do the, um, the goals that you want to do. And so because of that, I had to start entering bigger cities. And so the city that I'm entering right now is Chicago. Um, and the whole process to what this looks like is like, it's like, what all do I need? Well, I need deals. I need money. I need contractors. And I need someone to help me manage all the deals that we're doing, right? Money, we already got that. Um, deals, I know exactly where to get them. Contractors, I don't necessarily have yet. And the management group, I don't necessarily have that yet either. And so it's like, I'm just kind of missing two components right now that I'm in the process of putting together. But once you have all the teams in place and once you have the right town, you can easily flip 100, 200 to 1,000 properties in an entire year, as long as you do it correctly. Okay. So let's imagine that I'm a listener, right? Mm -hmm. I've worked my butt off in internships, jobs, et cetera. And I found a way to save up, let's just say $2,000. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into the real estate game, but all my friends keep telling me you need to have money to get into it, blah, 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 blah. How does one A, learn about real estate, but then B, how does one start to invest into it or like start to make money from it? Yep. So um, I'll tell you this right now. I want to invest in real estate until you have at least $100,000 saved up. And what I mean by that is if I was you, I wouldn't start buying until you have $100,000 saved up. Now, the reason I say that is because um, errors and hiccups, they're going to happen, right? You're going to lose money here and there. You're going to run into bad relationships. There's going to be all these risks that are taking place that you may not be aware of right now. So it's important to have enough cash reserve saved up before you ever start buying properties. Now, with that being said, can you still get into the real estate game even if you have no money? Well, my friends, I'll tell you this. When I first got started in this business, I think I had like 100, 200 bucks in my bank account. And I had to figure out how to make that last me for six months before I ever closed my first deal. And so there's a few strategies that you can look into. And I'm no expert at any of these, um, but one of the strategies is wholesaling. Wholesaling is as simple as finding a seller, finding someone who's motivated to sell a property. You might even have a friend, right, who has a property that they want to sell um, or a family member that has a property that they want to sell. And you can just talk to them like, hey, if you want help selling it, I might be able to help you. And then you can go, you can do what's called going under contract with the seller and then assign that contract to an investor, someone who's interested in purchasing. And so if you have no money, like you kind of have to be aware of your own circumstances. $2,000 is not enough. Um, and because of that, I would get into a strategy where I'd figure out how to build up your, your cash so you can get into the game to start buying. One of the ways that to do that is wholesaling. That's exactly how I got started. 
There's some other strategies strategies that are out there that I'm no expert in, such as seller financing. I don't even want to talk about that because like, I don't even really know it that well. But that is another strategy. <laughs> so through navigating these waters that were previously unfamiliar to you, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see um, early, um, younger or more, more inexperienced um, real estate agents or sellers make along the path? Yeah, real. So I would be speaking more directly towards um, investors who are wanting to wholesale or whatever. But some of the biggest mistakes is you're trying to do too much in the beginning. And what I mean by that is like we're sitting here talking about wholesaling right now. First of all, wholesaling is this huge, huge, broad category. Right. Let's let's think about it in a way that we'll all understand it. When I say love, what comes to your mind? Each one of you just had like 20 different things come to your mind. Yeah. Right? <laughs> You're like, hmm, let me think about this. All this stuff came up, right? Same thing with wholesaling. All this stuff comes up. And so the most important thing is, is to really boil the business down, boil the steps down to one, maybe two. Like I always try to keep things at one practical thing that you can do, right? So let's break down the wholesaling business. It really comes down to two things, finding sellers and finding buyers and connecting the pieces right? Finding sellers is one whole business. Finding buyers is another whole business. Gary, I don't know if you've heard of them or not, but there's a company in Philadelphia. They're called New Western Acquisitions. Have you heard of them? I don't think I have. So they've done over $2 billion in sales within the past, uh, since 2008. Mm -hmm. And they're strictly like a wholesaling company. Okay. But all they focus on is finding buyers. That's their whole business. They find end retail buyers, people that want to live in the house, and they find investor buyers, people that want to buy the house as investors, but they strictly specialize in finding buyers and they built a $2 billion business doing it. Okay. Now let's look at the flip side. There's finding sellers. If you're going to do finding sellers, you have to get into marketing. You have to figure out, you know, what kind of neighborhoods you're in. If you're in low income, if you're in higher income neighborhoods, you have to figure out where all your target, like where all your audience, um, your clients hanging out at and what's the best marketing you need to do to get to them. An example of that would be this Gary. Um, sorry, Justin, Gary's in like Philadelphia. And so we know the area <laughs> cause you're still in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in Florida. I, I'm, I get it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary, um, what's, what's like the, what's like the lowest income and don't hold me against this, you know, um, I'm not racist or anything like that, but, or what's the ghettoest area in Philadelphia that you can think of right now? It's either North, North Philly or West Philly. Yeah, North Philly. Let's keep it there. North Philly. By the way, we invest a lot in West Philly. Uh, we love West Philly. Okay. <laughs> now, now give me the wealthiest area in Philadelphia that you can think of. In Philadelphia? Ooh. Um, give me the one neighborhood. Let's go uh, Rittenhouse. Perfect. So within the wealthiest neighborhood, okay, let's think about what type of clients are going to be there. You guys ever seen those signs? They're like yellow, you know, they have this black handwriting on it that says we buy houses and then the phone number below. You ever seen those? Mm -hmm. Do you think you see those in the wealthiest neighborhood? No. Why? It doesn't work. Yeah. But, but what's the psychology behind it? Cause that's, that's the practical stuff. What's the psychology behind it? It's cheap. That sign is cheap. It's cheap. It's for people who want to save money. Mm -hmm. people who are wealthy, they don't care about saving five, $10,000 with realtor commission. They actually see the realtor as someone who's going to add value to them, sell their property quick and help them out of whatever issue they're in. 
And so that's why when you go into wealthy neighborhoods, you should never put up bandit signs because it won't work. Right. But now let's think about it. If you're in a lower income neighborhood, right. Do you think those people want to save as much money as possible? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And so it's like, that's what I mean. Like you have to be aware of what, what kind of town are you investing in and what neighborhood are you investing in? Because like these courses and stuff, they'll tell you, you know, Oh, bandit signs work, direct mail works. It all does work, but it really comes down to the neighborhood that you're investing in and what's the strategy for that neighborhood. Cause let's think about it this way too. Let's think about the low income neighborhoods. What happens when there's 20 other bandit signs on the same pole? Do bandit signs still work then? No, they kind of just blend. They blur. It's blurry. It's super competitive, you know? And so that strategy's out there. That would not work whatsoever, right? But you would never know this until you actually sat down and like looked at the neighborhood that you're investing in. And so back to kind of the question, you know, someone who's starting off, like whether they have money or not, it's super important to just kind of boil things down to something that's super practical. If you want to focus on buyers, you can literally network with people in the street go to entrepreneur events, go to meet up real estate events and find people who are interested in investing in real estate and then ask them, what's your criteria? You know, are you looking for single families, multifamilies? You know, are, is your financing ready? This is one of the biggest questions that I've learned from um, like a really, uh, a really high guy who does a lot of sales. And I was like, yo, like what's one of the most powerful questions that you ask potential clients when you're working with them? And he says, I asked them the question of time. He's like, I asked them, when do they feel like they're ready? Or when do they want to sell their house? And he's like, if they say six to eight months, why am I even on the phone? You know, but if he says they say they're ready to go in a week or two weeks, he says, we signed a contract that day because those are motivated individuals. And within sales, within business, it, it, it's much easier when you work with people who are motivated and ready to go because then you start to get faster results 100 percent. okay so from my understanding and things that i've worked at and learned at school and whatnot on online psychology plays a huge part not only in just life but especially in sales right and business too um what are some big besides the one that you just talked about about time some big psychological points in the sales cycle that you've kind of learned about and are always looking at. Yeah. And so uh, psychology is a really interesting thing because, um, you know, there's the whole idea behind marketing and then there's the whole idea behind sales. And both of those categories, like both of those are two completely different things, right? Marketing is how you would, in essence, you know, find the client and bring them in and sales would be the conversion, how you convert them. And within each one of those, there's a lot of different psychological things that take place. Because let's think about marketing. Marketing, in essence, is uh, finding people who are, in essence, don't know about you and getting them known about you, right? And so now it becomes, the question becomes, how do you get someone who has no idea about you to fall in love with you instantly? And if not now, within the next few touches, right? And so this is like one of the guys that I've been studying is Charlie Munger. And he talks about the 25 cognitive biases. And this has been an absolute game changer for me. It's made well over six figures for, for my business. Um, but one of the first things that he talks about in that book is what's called the um, risk versus reward bias. And what this is, it's called incentive versus desensitive. And so when you're working with someone, 
It's like, look, if you're ready to sell your property or if you're ready to buy now, I can give it to you for $5,000 off. If you don't want to buy it now, not a problem. You know, we can always get you that next deal, but the price will probably be $5,000 more. However, if you're ready to go now, we can get it to you for $5,000 off. And so that's a whole incentive to take action now to create urgency, right? Another big psychological thing. And okay, so this, this is actually the most important one. This is the most important psychological thing that I could ever share. This is what I would share with my kids is be likable because you're either going to be liked or you're going to be disliked. It's one or the other. There's no in between, right? And so if you can just approach someone and just show that you're genuinely like interested in helping, that you're there to serve, that you're there just to be likable and you're not necessarily focused on the result, but you're just there to focus on helping them solve an issue, right? You're automatically going to become likable. And so like at real estate events, uh, so when, I'm, when, when we're networking for buyers, we always like to ask them, like, like, so what's kind of one of your biggest challenges right now, right? You have money. Why are you not buying? And they'll tell us whatever fears they're going through or whatever. And we're like, okay, well, who do we need to be so we can help you get over these fears? And when we ask them, who do we need to be? They literally tell us like exactly like how they want the process to go. And because of that, they're like, holy shit, these are, these are people who are actually like looking out for me versus people who are just trying to make money off me. Right. And same with sellers. It's like, it's like, you really just kind of have to ask them like, you know, like, so, so, so like, what's your biggest reason for selling today? Okay. Other than price, are there any other factors that you're looking at? You know, is it the time? Do you need help relocating? Right? Like what, what do you really need help with? Like, cause it's, it's never price. What do you really need help with? And when you can, when you can genuinely help people, you're automatically going to become likable. And that's one of the biggest like psychological things to like, just, just do within the moment is just become likable. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, the, the psychology of being likable is, is understanding people, um, understanding needs, wants, um, and essentially fulfilling those, um, through my, my experiences in, um, the job I work now, I've, I've gotten accustomed to that. Um, mm -hmm. people, when they come out to you, when they reach out to you, they have a problem, they have a need and your objective is to, even though they can have another option is to fulfill that need. How can you make their lives as easy as possible while, uh, with your expertise and sharing what you know, I'm um, basically just pairing the two together and there's times where it works great and there's times where it, work, it doesn't. And that's that balance, that, uh, psychology, it's not, it's not a science because it's not a plus B equals C it's, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it implodes in your face and that's just how it goes. But I, I do love that point. And for all of our listeners out there, uh, Eli, I know you did a post on this not too long ago, I'd say about a month on the, uh, 25 biases. Yep. Uh, I, I took note of that before. Um, very cool. Hop on, um, Eli's Instagram page, check that out. Um, but I want to touch upon something before we switch into uh, the deep thinking questions. You know you love that part. Um, tell me what life looks like for you in, let's say, let's go five years and then we'll go 10 years. Because you are you said you're at 100% uh, on your loading bar. You're firing on all cylinders. You've broken from those chains of, um, of restriction and being stuck to a path you can essentially do as you please. So where does this, where does this take you from here? Yeah. So you're going to kick my butt, dude. Uh, but <laughs> I, can, I can never see five or 10 years. Like I don't know what it is about me, but like I've completely gotten rid of the future. Like, like, so let me, let me be clear about that. Cause I don't want to confuse anyone. Like mm -hmm. when I think about things, I think about the future, but when I make decisions, like I try to make them in terms of like, 
what's the next like five, six months look like? Because I know I can control five to six months much easier than I can five to 10 years. And I only say that because I told you guys, like the first time we talked, you know, we were heavily involved in Newark, New, Newark, New Jersey real estate, but that market completely changed, which is a whole nother reason why I have to enter another real estate markets. And so my point is, is that, you know, five to 10 years away, like there's going to be so much that changes. Like just the whole idea of even trying to think about that is like, I'll be here for like until I die, you know? Um, but I would love to talk about sort of kind of the next five to six months because that is where I can get super detailed. And for anyone who's like new, like a listener out there, it's like, I would encourage you to play with the idea. Are you someone who thinks five to 10 years out? And if not, are you someone who is like me and you think, you know, 30 days, two, three, four months out. And what I like to do is I like to think two to three, four, five, six months out, you know, have an idea of what I'm after. And then once that time frame expires, look back over that four to five to six months and be like, yo, where'd I slip up? Where'd I mess up? And so over the next, um, by the end of this quarter, I'm going to have a whole team built out in Chicago. And really the primary thing that I'm after now is really just building up cash flow. Uh, there's a lot of talks. It's 2019 of the real estate market getting ready to crash. I don't really care if it's going to crash or not because we're just going to continue doing our thing, um, which is preferably taking over the real estate markets. And because of that, like the number one way to take over real estate markets is just to have cash flow because it doesn't matter if the market's going up or down. As long as you have cash coming in every month and these buildings are paying themselves, you'll be taken care of for the rest of your life. And so my whole focus right now is really just identifying the city, which is right now in Chicago, and just building out the team to put my cash flow team in place. So we can just start buying up the whole city. And what I like to do is I like to get into the market. I like to test it, which means I'll work with real estate agents, build a portfolio of 20 to 30 units, and then convert everything over. So this is a pretty crazy strategy. Um, and I'm going to share this for anyone who is active in real estate right now. But the craziest strategy in the world is actually working with the city. Because what I've come to learn is that the city actually owns the most amount of properties in any given town. And also, if you can get connected with the city, there's ways that you can get the city to fund every one of your projects if you connect with the right people, which means you can get the properties and the money from the same source, which is crazy. And so as I enter Chicago, like that's kind of what I'm building out is getting to the market, test it and then get connected with the city just to kind of exp exponentially grow. And then after I have that built out over the next six months, it's probably going to take a year, um, especially that it's such a big city. I'm just going to enter another big city and do the same thing. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So now we get to move on to our favorite part, which is the deep thinking questions. Yeah. All right. So question number one, you, you've talked about the lazy lifestyle, so to say of like being able to try to do as much as possible with as least amount of effort. There are tons of lazy people out there that want that mindset that might have that mindset, but can't necessarily execute mm -hmm. on that mindset. How do you execute on that mindset when you're someone who is quote unquote lazy and you might do something and then say, oh, I'll, I'll just do that again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things is like, um, it really comes down to, you know, who you are and what kind of service are you going to be providing? And what I mean by that is, is, you know, like 
if you don't have anything to add, like no value to add, it's going to be really challenging for, for people to come and work, work with you. See, over the past two years, I've been focused on skill sets, which is, you know, the ability to sell, the ability to identify the right real estate markets, to put the right teams in place. And I think one of the most important components that I do have is sort of my relationship with money. You know, when I work with people, uh, I don't I don't necessarily focus on the money. I instead I focus on who they are and sort of who I am. So I want to make sure that it's, it's going to be a good connection because if it is, we can go on to build some crazy things together. And so for someone who, who has lack of execution or not lack of execution, but is looking into the lazy way, you really have to make sure you're someone who can add value first, because if you can't add any value, like you have, you kind of have to get in a gear and figure out, you know, what skill sets you have, what you can provide, what you can do before you start looking out to other people to see what they can do for you etc, etc, etc. And so it's kind of like a flip. You know, it's kind of like, who are you? What can you provide? And once you know that, then you can realize like what what other people can necessarily bring to the table to just sort of help grow the business. Okay, work. And because uh, I was telling Justin this earlier that I'm still pretty uh, emotionally distraught. Um, I just finished watching Endgame and it's something sure. that's stuck on me so that that leads me to my second question have a little fun here no spoilers for any who haven't had the uh, <laughs> pleasure of watching if you could pick one um one of the avengers to describe yourself who yeah, would sure. and why oh whoa done sure. yeah, come on baby come on baby <laughs> come on dude if i if i explain this bro i'm gonna ruin it for everyone bro <laughs> as, as best as no, you wait. okay here we go boom got i got it. got it so listen there's one thing that i love in life and it's called the coolness factor, right? What do I mean by that? When shit's happening in your life, a girlfriend just broke up with you. You just lost $50,000, which I've done before. A lot of shit's going on in your life. You're getting all these emotional triggers. The question at the end of the day is how cool can you be when everything's coming at you? And to me, Tony Starks was like one of those guys that was like, bring it on. I'm going to stay cool regardless of what's going on. You know, put my glasses back in, walk around, fly, you know, and because of that, like, I admire that trait. I admire for someone to come up to you, you know, spit in your face and you just to be able to like wipe it off and go on killing it with your life. Because that little small gesture, when someone says they hate you, when someone breaks up with you, that small gesture means nothing because you understand the long term game in terms of the value that you provide for the world. So that's why I go with Tony Starks. Oh man, knowing the the ending to Endgame, it makes so much sense too. <laughs> I love it, dude. It make okay, I love it. So f before we ask our final question, um, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Where can they find all your content? Yep. So the best way to, to get in touch with me for real estate stuff today, um, or even like spirituality stuff, because I love spirituality, would actually be uh, Facebook. You can add me on Facebook at Elijah Barber. Um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. Okay. Cool. You don't use Instagram as much anymore? I actually just deleted it today, dude. Ah, <laughs> I've been thinking about it, man. I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm experimenting, you know. It's like uh, like I'm laser focused right now. And so, <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So final question. You might remember it from before, but what's a question that you wish that we asked you? Uh, I think I do remember this. <laughs> No, it's like, uh, I, 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 I love what you guys are doing, man. It's like, um, at the end of the day, like 
one of the things that I've come to learn is like, it really comes down to how present are you in the moment, right? Because as long as you're present, like everything flows. And even as host, cause I've been hosting a lot of events too. It's like, if you're present and you're actually listening, like you've done a good job. Cause then you know how to carry on the conversation and like, you know, you guys killed it. So congrats. Thank you. Much, much, much appreciated. Um, Eli, great having you on board. Um, I do see a, a meetup in our future. I mean, we're not too far away. We're, we're going to make this happen sooner or later. Um, but I definitely want to take the opportunity to extend a huge Get Your Grind Up young and Young and Dumb. Thank you for coming on the podcast. As always, you're always more than welcome. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I love y'all, man. Let's keep getting it. We are that next generation. I appreciate all the love. No problem. And I definitely want to give you that cosign for the Tony Stark. Dude. Hey. <laughs> love, love me some Tony Stark. And for all of the Tony Stark fans out there, if you want to learn a little bit more about Eli, hop on our website, getyourgrindup.com. Follow us on social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Get Your Grind Up. It's the year of Get Your Grind Up. You already know 2019. Always remember we are all young and dumb. Never forget. Get show grind up avengers assemble peace assemble down peace. <laughs>